Why don't you stand with me while we uh, read God's Word? Um, the passage that Bruce is going to be speaking out of today is actually just one verse long. It is uh, it's Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, and it will be very familiar to you when you get there. If you uh, have a pew Bible that you're using, you can find this uh, verse on page 965. Again, we're in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. It is the golden rule. So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, um, for, for all of it, for the law and, and, and for uh, showing us what how we should relate to one another and how to be obedient to you. Thank you, God, for making it possible for us to have a relationship with you, even though we break your law and sin all the time. God, we just uh, we need you to want to do more and more like you. Lord, help um, us conform to the image of your son and to be salt and light in the world around us. Father God, we thank you so much for all these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Kevin, for leading us in our scripture reading. And thank you, Dana. Beautiful song. Great words. Great message. Uh, as many of you know, Darla, my wife, and I were on vacation uh, last weekend. And uh, we were gone for a week. And I always appreciate So thank you for asking uh, how your vacation was. I always appreciate that. And uh, I was super excited about this vacation. I, I love my boys, but this, Jack, Tyler, I do love you, but this was the first time in 21 years my wife and I got to go on vacation without them. And wow, it was awesome. It was great. Like, I could get used to this, Darla. And, uh, and so, but my, she reminded me we ha- do have a family vacation together here at the, uh, later on in August. And so, you guys are welcome to join us then, too, Jack and Tyler. So, The golden rule is probably the most universally praised statement that Jesus ever made. It has been called the topmost peak of social ethics. In fact, it's even been called the Mount Everest of all ethical teaching. The golden rule is even the standard when it comes to parenting. I mean, how many parents here have quoted this verse to their kids, just hoping that they would quit fighting and somehow get along with each other a little better? Now, when Kevin read this verse to us, you may have noticed that it's not called the, quote, golden rule in the Bible. People started calling it the golden rule sometime during the Middle Ages. And contrary to popular opinion, it's not golden because of how precious it is but rather because it was rumored that the Roman Emperor Alexander Severus had this verse inscribed in gold on the wall of his throne room. And so while this may be true of the origin of the name of this verse, in which we commonly know it as the golden rule, there is certainly a golden quality about this rule that has made it one of the most quoted verses in all of the Bible. But like many, many well-known verses, this particular verse has been twisted to fit the ethics of our culture. 
For example, an adult twist on the golden rule says, whoever has the gold makes the rules. There's some truth to that. A more modern version of the golden rule says, and this is probably one you're more familiar with, do unto others before they do unto you. But Jesus is quite clear here when he says in his Sermon on the Mount, here in chapter 7 of Matthew, verse 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So how? How should we come to understand what Jesus says here in the Sermon on the Mount in what is commonly known as the Golden Rule? I would suggest this to us. The Golden Rule is, is a simple summary. It's a summary of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount for kingdom citizens to follow in relation to others. The Golden Rule not only sums up this particular section of Jesus' sermon. That is the, uh, the section here in chapter 7. But really, it is a summary, and it sums up the whole sermon on the mount thus far. But it is rather significant that this particular verse follows Jesus' teaching on prayer that we just studied last Sunday in verses 7 through 11. Just as our Heavenly Father is generous to us in answering our prayers, so we should be generous in our love for others. Just as our Heavenly Father gives us good things in answer to our prayer, so we should do good things to others as we have opportunity. In other words, if you take this verse, verse 12, the golden rule, back to the preceding verses that Jesus just talked about on prayer, then you get the idea that we don't determine how we should treat others by how they treat us. Rather, how God treats you. And how does God treat us? As we learned last Sunday, God treats us with goodness and generosity as our Heavenly Father. But the so here, or the therefore, some of your other translations, in which the golden rule verse begins means that we can actually go back even further here in chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, to the judge not command that we learned a couple Sundays ago. Why would Jesus tell us not to relate judgmentally, but rather mercifully to people? Well, because that's how we would want to be treated. We wouldn't want someone to be judgmental toward us or to judge us in a hypocritical manner by pointing out the speck in our eye while they have this protruding log in their own eye. And so we shouldn't treat others that way either. Because that's not how we want to be treated. But I would also suggest we can actually take this golden rule verse back even further still. Look at how Jesus ends verse 12. He ends it by pointing to what? The law and the prophets. Now that's a phrase we learned early on in our study of the Sermon on the Mount that refers to all that is taught in the Old Testament. In fact, Jesus uses this exact same phrase near the beginning of his sermon when he says back in Matthew chapter 5 in verse 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now, let's take these two verses then. Look at them together. We have Matthew 5, 
verse 17, we have Matthew 7, verse 12. And in 1, Jesus says that he did not come to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And in the other, he said that to do to others what we want done to us is the essence of the law and the prophets. So in the first one, Matthew 5, 17, introduces us to the law and the prophets. And here in the second one, Matthew 7, 12, it summarizes the law and the prophets. So you might say, we might think of it this way, that Jesus' whole sermon is held together by these two bookends. Matthew 5, 17 is one bookend here. And it establishes for us that Jesus' teaching, specifically here in the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't set the law aside, but rather it explains what it actually demands of us as kingdom citizens. And now we come to Matthew seven twelve, which is the other bookend, and it affirms for us that the spirit of the law is fulfilled when we do what? When we follow the golden rule. And so verse 12 is really a summary statement. Jesus is culminating it. He's capping off all his teaching with the golden rule where he says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law in the prophets. Now, again, we've all heard of the golden rule. And perhaps some of you have even quoted the golden rule. But what does it really mean? How should we interpret it? How should we apply this? And to answer that question, we need to dig a little deeper into the golden rule to better understand the radical nature of this commonly quoted verse. And so I want us to do that by kind of going through three simple points here, and the first of which is to treat others the way you would want to be treated. Now, in many ways, the golden rule, it's, it's a rather simple command. In fact, it's so simple, even a child can understand it, but it's also a difficult command to obey or to keep. The golden rule here gives us a standard by which naturally selfish people can gauge their actions towards one another, actively treat others the way you would want to be treated. How we treat others is not to be determined by how we expect them to treat us, or even how we think they should treat us, but how we want them to treat us. This standard is the heart of Jesus' principle here in the Golden Rule. It's an aspect, though, that is not found in similar expressions in other religions and philosophies, which kind of brings us to two observations that I want to highlight for us about the golden rule. Notice the first observation here. The golden rule is a command regarding what you do more than what you don't do. It's a command regarding what you do more than what you don't do. Now, what's interesting to note about the golden rule is that no other religions, no other philosophies in life has its equal. Now, the reason I say that is because frequently liberal critics and even secular humanists will attempt to explain away the very uniqueness of the golden rule, saying it is just another common ethical standard that is shared by other religions. 
But this is not the case. What Jesus said has a very subtle yet very important difference or distinction to it. In fact, a quick survey of some of the sayings of other religions and philosophers makes this plain. Confucius taught what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. Hinduism teaches this is the sum of duty. Do not do to others what would cause pain if done to you. Buddhists teach hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. The, one of the Greek philosophers said, what you avoid in suffering yourself, do not afflict on others. And even the Jewish rabbi Hillel taught what is hateful to you, do not do to anyone else. This is the whole law. All the rest is only commentary. Now, In each of those sayings, did you hear a subtle difference in them? Between what Jesus taught here in the Sermon on the Mount and what these human teachers taught. Jesus said emphatically, do. Whereas these human teachers all said, do not do. Don't do, in other words, the stuff you wouldn't like done to you. As such, these sayings of other religions and founders of religions and philosophers, these saints have been called the negative version of the golden rule. In fact, they're even sometimes called the, the silver rule because they're below the golden rule. These saints are similar to the golden rule, but they are stated in the negative, and they rely simply on our passivity. Jesus' golden rule, on the other hand, it is a positive command to proactively show love toward others. What Jesus is doing here for us, he's actually showing us the character of God. And he's showing us how we then, as God's children, and even citizens of his kingdom, are supposed to treat others. You see, religion simply says, restrain, hold back, withhold the amount of bad you do, and even the evil that you do to others. But Jesus says here, don't just avoid doing evil things, but instead show God's love to others. As Robert Mounts writes in his commentary, in its negative form, the golden rule could be satisfied by doing nothing. The positive form moves us to action, though, on behalf of others. And so while many religious teachers merely say, don't do something, Jesus goes even further, and he tells us we need to do something. And so instead of avoiding certain behaviors, Jesus turns it around, and he calls us as his disciples to a positive action here. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Don Carson put it this way. Jesus gives a positive form of this rule. And the difference between the two forms is profound. For example, he writes, the negative form would teach behavior like this. If you do not enjoy being robbed, don't rob others. If you do not like being cursed, don't curse others. You get it. If you do not enjoy being hated, don't hate others. If you do not care to be clubbed over the head, then don't club others over the head. However, he writes, the positive form teaches behavior like this. 
If you enjoy being loved, love others. If you like to receive things, give to others. If you like being appreciated, appreciate others. The positive form is thus far more searching than its negative counterpart. Here there is no permission, he writes, in relation to the golden rule. What he's saying now, there is no permission uh, for us to withdraw into a world where I offend no one but accomplish no positive good either. What would you like done to you? What would you really like? Then do that to others. Duplicate both the quality of these things and their quantity in everything, he writes. That leads us to a second observation then. The golden rule is a command, therefore, to deliberately and thoughtfully consider our treatment of all people in every situation. You see, rather than simply looking out for ourselves, we are to deliberately and thoughtfully consider our treatment of all people in every circumstance. Jesus calls us to think about how we would want to be treated and then treat others that way. It is indeed a call to loving action. And that is, quite frankly, that is world-changing when practiced. You see, it is much, much harder. Oh, it is so much harder to rise up from our bed of apathy and help others than it is to leave other people alone. But that is the challenge that Jesus is calling us here to. To move from apathy to empathy. And the first step that we need to take is to consider what we would have them do to us. Have you ever asked yourself that question? What should I do or how should I respond toward this person? In fact, we could just stay right here in the Sermon on the Mount and answer that question. You can go back to Matthew chapter 5 in verse 44 where Jesus simply tells us as kingdom citizens, he says, listen, love your enemies. And then he expands on that and says, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. In other words, when people treat you like dirt, you are to treat them like gold. That's the golden rule. Surprisingly, Jesus doesn't even add if they deserve it. Or if they extend to you the same courtesy or respect. You see, people universally want, even demand, they need appreciation, love, and respect. And after all, that, that's a good thing. We're all made in the image of God. Whether they deserve it or not. And Jesus understood this human desire, this human need, and he now uses it to promote godly behavior by his followers, by us. The golden rule is now not passive. It is very much active. The golden rule is looking, it is seeking and searching ways to treat others just as you would want them to treat you. John Stott writes, it is a remarkably flexible ethical principle. Self-advantage often guides us in our own affairs. Now we must also let it guide us in our behavior to others. All we have to do is use our imagination, 
put ourselves in the other person's shoes and ask, how would I like to be treated in that situation? J.C. Ryle wrote, it settles a hundred difficult points. It prevents the necessity of laying down endless little rules for our conduct in specific cases. So that's the first thing we need to see here about the golden rule. The golden rule isn't about merely avoiding negative behaviors towards people. It certainly includes that. But if we stop there, you have not gone far enough as a Christ follower. Jesus calls us to thoughtfully and deliberately consider our treatment of all people in every situation and to treat others the way you would want to be treated. And at the same time, Jesus doesn't leave us guessing as to the standard by which we treat others. This is critical to see in the golden rule. It brings us to our second point here. And that is to treat others according to God's standard of righteousness. Now, please hear this. While Jesus is asking us to engage our moral imagination, that is to think about situations with others, and then do something based upon how we would like to be treated, please understand, he is not, however, calling us to live in any way we would like and want others to do the same. He is not calling us to, quote, imagine a world made in our own image where people live in the way we would like for them to live, and somehow we create this sort of utopian reality. As Reed Monaghan says, Jesus is not calling us to adopt a Michael Jackson theology, where we start with the man in the mirror and ask him to make a change. What would that man in the mirror change into? Into what image Shall he transform? Now, the reason this point is so critical in an understanding of the golden rule is because if we are not careful, we can easily turn the golden rule into nothing more than a humanistic or man-centered rule in which we try to live by. And folks, that is what our culture has done with this rule. We all know that we need to change the way we treat others and even who we are. But what standard then shall we use to measure the way we treat others? Again, it's fine to want to heal the world and make it a better place for you and for me and the entire human race. But we cannot start with the man in the mirror as the source of a new imagined self or a new imagined world or even a new imagined way of treating others. We don't start with ourselves and what we wish our world to be. Rather, as Christ followers, we come to God and we come to his word and we use his standard of righteousness, 
when it comes to practicing the golden rule. Now that begs the question, what is God's standard of righteousness when it comes to the golden rule? Again, God does not leave us guessing. We are told. Notice this in its notes coming up on the screen. The golden rule is based on God's law of what we could call neighbor love. God's law of neighbor love. And God's law of neighbor love is found in the last six commandments of the Ten Commandments of which we are familiar with. In fact, God's law of neighbor love is even expounded in all the writings of Moses and the prophets. And so Jesus is calling us to treat others as we wish to be treated. But he is doing so, please listen, on the basis of God's law of neighbor love. And such behavior, Jesus says, sums up the law and the prophets. And at its core, it is simply now an expression not of my self-love, or my man-centered love, or humanistic love, but it is an expression of God's love. Let me point out to you a few passages in which illustrate this. The golden rule is the practical outworking of the Old Testament law that goes all the way back to Leviticus chapter 19, 18, where we are told, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The golden rule is also part of the second greatest commandment in Matthew chapter 22. In fact, in that passage of scripture, Jesus has just said that the greatest commandment is what? It's to love God. And then he says in verses 39 and 40, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You then go forward in Galatians chapter 5, where we find Paul talking about this issue of neighbor love in the law when he says in Galatians 5 verse 14, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, quoting Leviticus 19.18. So, here's what we have. The standard that Jesus gives us for treating others is based on God's law of neighbor love. It is a standard, in fact, that God had given to his people thousands of years ago in the days of Moses. This is not anything new, necessarily. Listen, what this also means, this is not a standard that is mine. Nor is it a standard that our culture determines. This is God's standard based on God's law of Neighbor love. And Jesus summarizes this neighbor love in the golden rule when he says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, that we understand what Jesus is calling us to in the golden rule, we need to turn our attention now to actually putting it into practice. After all, the operative word here in the golden rule is do. Jesus didn't give this rule for us just to comment on, but rather to actually carry out as his kingdom citizens. And that brings us to our third point we need to make about the golden rule. It is impossible to follow apart from Jesus Christ. If you haven't figured that out by now, hopefully you will 
by the time we're done. What's interesting, though, is most people across the world actually praise the golden rule. In fact, you won't find many people, even in our depraved culture, who will declare that the golden rule is somehow a bad idea. In fact, most people still think the golden rule is a great idea. In fact, even the American atheist, Sam Harris, called the golden rule, in his own words, a wonderful moral precept. But putting it into practice, well, that's the hard part, isn't it? It's easy to say, oh, what a wonderful standard of treating one another. But it's very difficult to put into practice. It seems so simple, though. Just treat others the way you want to be treated. All you have to do in every situation in which you encounter people is to follow the golden rule. And guess what? You've obeyed the law in the prophets. But it's not quite that easy, is it? In fact, all we have to do is ask ourselves a question. How has it been going this last week for you obeying the golden rule in your interaction with others? And if we're honest with ourselves, we all would have to admit, wow, yeah, I really didn't follow it here and there and with that person and in that situation. You see, the reality is when we really consider our interactions with others, we can barely obey the negative version of the golden rule, of not doing to others what we don't want done to us, much less the positive version in which Jesus calls us to. Now, here's what we learn about this. The golden rule, it wasn't given by Jesus to provide us a way to measure ourselves and discover, oh, wow, I've been so good. I'm a good moral person who deserves to go to heaven because of my love toward others. No, no, no. Rather, the golden rule has the same goal as the law, which it summarizes. And that is to show us that we have, how should I say it, woefully fallen short of it. And that we desperately need Jesus Christ. You see, we need to recognize that the golden rule is impossible to follow apart from Jesus Christ. It simply can't be done. You see, apart from a new heart, apart from being born again by the Spirit of God, and then the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life on a daily basis, you cannot and you will not obey the golden rule. Yes, I fully admit That the unbeliever, the person who is unredeemed, who does not have a regenerate heart by the power of God, that person might admire the golden rule. That person might even repeat the golden rule. That person might even seek to live by the golden rule, but they will always fall short of the golden rule. You want to know why? Because as human beings, we are constantly selfish and self-serving. And we seldom find ourselves living in the rarefied air of such a lofty moral and ethical peak as the golden rule. Listen, there is simply no capacity within an unbeliever to love in the way that Jesus commands in the golden rule. 
Listen to how Billy Graham put it. He writes, Yes, the world would be a better place if everyone put the golden rule into practice. Jesus' words are just as relevant today as they were when he first spoke them. But why don't we put it into practice? Why is there still so much conflict and evil in the world? And he says this, the problem isn't ignorance. Most people, I suspect, know they ought to treat people with respect and kindness, even if they can't quote Jesus' words exactly, and yet they fail to do it. And so do we. The problem, he says, is far deeper. The problem is within our own hearts. Deep inside, we are selfish and demand our own way, and this brings us into conflict with others who are just as selfish. This is why we need Jesus, for only he can take away our stubborn selfishness and replace it with his love and compassion, and he will as we confess our sins to him and submit our lives to his control. As a result, then, the golden rule, what we have before us is so much more than just this nice little saying that we sometimes find hanging up on a wall. Notice this, the golden rule, it is a final reminder here in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that we need Jesus Christ. Notice this in your notes. Apart from Jesus Christ, the golden rule can only condemn us. So the point you need to see first, before we walk out of this room and we start trying to put the golden rule into practice, the point we need to see first is that you and I, we haven't obeyed this rule to begin with. I mean, who here hasn't failed to treat others with the same love and respect you would have them to give to you? Who here hasn't been a hypocrite insisting that people give you the benefit of the doubt and yet you've rushed to judgment on them? Who here, who of us here, hasn't expected people to overlook your faults and forgive you for your indiscretions, and yet you've been harboring anger and bitterness towards others for years. You see, from this perspective, the golden rule reminds us again that none of us have lived up to God's standards. It's given, therefore. This is a culmination of this, of of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is coming to the end of everything he has said about true righteousness and what it looks like for kingdom citizens in a kingdom world. And it now is given to us to drive us to the point of desperation, saying, listen, I need Jesus. I am helpless and I am hopeless apart from him. It's given to make you go back to the Beatitudes Poor in spirit is given to cause you to hunger and thirst, not for your self-righteousness, which was the Pharisees, but to hunger and thirst for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so apart from Christ, the golden rule can only condemn us. But in Christ, and this is the good news, not only has the golden rule been perfectly obeyed by Christ, but it can now be obeyed by those who follow Christ. You see, when we, when we hear, when we turn from our sin, 
And when we come to Jesus in faith, he does more than simply forgive us of our sins. Listen, he transforms us. He gives us a new heart with new desires. This is what Paul summarizes in his own words in 1 Corinthians, I mean 2 Corinthians 5.17, where he says, therefore, in other words, if you've been born again, if you've been redeemed, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. As James Boyce writes, God did not save us, so would, we would remain in our sin. He saved us to make us like Jesus. And that means to live out this standard in the golden rule. If we are to approach this commandment as natural men, and all he means by that word natural men is unbelievers. We have not been born again yet. We find this rule impossible. But when we come as Christians with the life of God himself within, we find this rule now attainable. And that leads to an important truth that I want us to conclude with about the golden rule and the gospel. Notice this in your notes. The golden rule is not the gospel, though. The golden rule is not the gospel. Please do not confuse the two. The golden rule, let me say it again, is not the gospel. But living out the golden rule is a demonstration that we have been transformed by the gospel. Now, here's why this distinction is, again, important. Because very often the golden rule is presented as if it is gospel. But the golden rule is not the gospel. Listen to me. It is not the way to be saved. It is not even an an alternative way to heaven or to enter the kingdom of God. Listen, you can't keep this rule to earn your salvation. If getting to heaven depended on us keeping the golden rule, then none of us would get there since we all fall short of keeping this rule. This is why we need a Savior. This is why we need Jesus Christ. Listen, true obedience to this rule only results from the saving grace of God in a person's life. We are not saved By keeping the golden rule. And you know what, folks? We ought to say hallelujah to that. That means we don't have to earn our salvation. Therefore, when we fail to keep it, we don't lose our salvation. Our salvation, our position before God as his sons and daughters is secure. Not based on what I do or not do, but based on what Jesus Christ has already done on the cross. And his resurrection. But keeping the golden rule. Because after all, that is what Jesus is calling us to here in the sermon, right? Do. So keeping the golden rule, though, it is, it's, it is an outward, active demonstration that we have been saved. I've been born again. And my heart has been transformed by Jesus Christ himself. Look what Paul writes. This is in your notes here in Galatians chapter 5. 
Look what he says here in Galatians 5, verse 13. He says, For you were once called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And now here comes the golden rule in verse 14. Look what he writes. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But notice, notice what Paul says next now in verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, well, that's the world we live in. Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And then Paul gives the solution to fulfilling the golden rule in verse 16. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you are now wondering, how in the world can I live out such a lofty ethical rule like the golden rule? This is how. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Yes, we know that we can't or won't even keep this rule perfectly. But that's why. That's why we go to our Heavenly Father as we were taught in verses 7 through 11. We go to our Heavenly Father and we ask God to help us, to give us the grace, to give us the strength, to give us the power to live out this golden rule with all people in every situation. After all, that's what kingdom life looks like for those who are sons and daughters of the King. Therefore, in climax, in culmination, in capping off all that we've learned, therefore, Let us now commit ourselves as kingdom citizens to follow our king's example and love others by demonstrating the power of the gospel in our own lives by following the golden rule. Think about it. God has loved us. He has saved us. He has forgiven us. He has empowered us to show the love of Christ. How? By treating others the way we would want to be treated. So may God help you to live this way if you are already a Christian. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you're not a Christ follower, then I plead with you, don't try and make your way to heaven through this rule. For you will be condemned by it in the end. But instead, humble yourself. And confess your sin and go to Jesus Christ and ask him to save you and forgive you. Trust him for your salvation first and allow the Holy Spirit to come within you to help you now live out the golden rule. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask that you would give us the grace to love others by the way you loved us. And may you grant saving faith to those who have yet to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and the gift of eternal life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.